So uh, tonight I'd like to offer some reflections on the hindrances. And I'll explain what they are if you don't know what they are in a, in a bit. The Buddha said, The nature of mind is radiant and pure and is obscured by visiting defilements. It's a rather medieval translation there. I kind of like, like it. Visiting defilements. These are the hindrances. And the nature of mind is radiant and pure. You might wonder, whose mind is that? <laughs> I don't think that's mine. And in this talk, I'd really like to kind of invite us to hold this, in a way, these two maybe truths or realities of, of the mind, you could, you could say, or the experiences of the mind that are possible. Many, many experiences of, of the mind. But just to, to, to kind of hold that, that sense of the possibility of, of that mind, knowing the mind that is radiant and pure. And that these, all the mental afflictions, the troubling emotions, the negative moods, all different ways we could describe those experiences that we all experience, are just visiting passing through this space, this open space of the mind. And part of what we're doing, you could say, in meditation is learning to know that space, that radiant, open nature of mind. And also to know, to understand these afflictive energies that we all experience and through knowing them really knowing them finding freedom so um, another image for this exploration the image of some grains of salt in a small cup of water. It's kind of often how we feel, yeah? <laughs> you think of the grains of salt as something that's, you know, troubling us, and we feel like this little glass of water. So the few grains of salt, it make the glass of water very salty. Yeah. Ooh sort of stuck in there, small with this stuff. Ugh. So what about dissolving the grains of salt in a great lake? Where is the saltiness then? So part of what we're discovering, what we can what we can discover is 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 uh, the expansiveness of mind expansiveness of heart 
in which uh, experience can arise and pass, can fade, can be known, can be released. Um, I also wanted to share um, another an image of the path from, from Stephen Batchelor, which he says, a path is kept open by overcoming the hindrances that prevent freedom of movement along it. So there's another image of, of our practice and this sense of, of finding a, a path and an open space and how, how much that comes from actually meeting what seems to, you know, where we're stuck, we get stuck with. And that actually then it's through that encountering and learning how to do that skillfully <coughs> that our path opens and we can move on. And it, it, it feels like one of, one of okay, so, so these, these, these hindrances, we might say uh, maybe a, another word, obscuring, construct, constricting, narrowing, all of, those, all of those ways that we can feel, um, you know, that we sort of shrink around something some thought, some mood, some kind of emotional pattern, and we just seem to kind of, you know, just reduce to that. And that we can't then see, we can't see clearly. So so um, we have the sense of, of um, being maybe uh, kind of kidnapped by something, Something kind of takes us over. So these um, uh, these patterns are described by the Buddha in these five groupings, which are really really helpful for us to to know that we can we c- we can use these 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 namings these labelings to help us you know when we're in the midst of something we can name it we can say oh aversion so we'll go through these uh one by one but i just want to say a few general things about them but i just want i'll name them first so aversion is the first one and desire sense desire second one then restlessness or agitation Third one, and then sloth and torpor, <laughs> sleepiness, dullness. This probably all sounds quite familiar to most of us. <laughs> and then the last one, doubt. Yeah, don't can't, this or that, or I don't know, maybe, or you know, I don't ooh, doubt. So these ways that we we get just really caught up, don't we? Just it can be so consuming and repetitive and we can have habitual patterns can't we and sort of habits of 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 these things that can kind of just kind of be a filter with this image of again of a like a colored filter that we see everything through so you know you you the habits of aversion of say fear for example and just then everything is frightening 
or or the the filter of just irritation and everything is irritating so so that's one of the reasons why this is so important to know these these energies these these patterns because of the way they they can become like a world view for us so um First of all, I wanted to mention some things. When I was going through, I was studying all about this. It's one of my obsessive tendencies, study, study, study. Um, but one of the things I realized were that there were some things that were, and then I looked into my experience and I thought, yeah, you know, with all of these different afflictive patterns associated with these, these ones I've, I've mentioned, there, there is some, it seems like, universal antidotes. You know, things that actually, it's almost like whatever's going on, this helps. And the primary one that comes up again and again and again and again is mindfulness. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> to know this, to know anger as anger, and I to know, oh, this is fear, this is desire. You know, to, to know, to know it. And, and, and I look in my own experience, I see that actually this is, not, this is not an easy, simple, straightforward, immediate thing necessarily. Because how does, you know, do, do we know, do we actually know what doubt, what doubt is? We might, you know, you're upset, you don't know. And then actually it takes some investigation to find out sometimes, doesn't it? You know, what, oh... Oh, doubt. Right. And then, you know, and maybe sometimes that's actually enough, isn't it? You, you touch something and you recognize it and then, oh. Oh, yeah, and, and something can shift. So this very, very primary movement of, of in a way, you know, unlocking ourselves, sort of, sort of unlocking that all the padlocks of all the chains that have locked us into that thing out there or even that thing in here that is wrong and and actually kind of take those kind of take those off and say actually what, what what what's the energy behind behind this what's the what's <laughs> what's what's the energy what's the force that's actually creating this this problem and then we can look and actually see, oh, oof, the body and mind here have have crea- you know creating creating a a, pr- a problem. I just I've got more examples, but one one example of this, I mean, it, you know, I, I know it, it, I was on a train once, and there was a family, and they were playing um, dominoes, you know, with. Uh, I guess they made a plastic on a plastic table and it was banging, you know, these little tick back. It was just making quite a racket. And it was it was a very it was very irritating and I was just getting really I can't you know, I was feeling that it's affecting everybody and all this <laughs> and then there was one point when I, I really started to practice with it and it really I could really see how I could kind of by by changing my, my view of that 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 it could become neutral. I'm not sure I quite got it to be pleasant, but it's it it could change. You know, it can change, and this is very important. This is fundamental to this exploration, really, 
of seeing, of being able to be present with that experience of irritation, and then what's possible from from there? Uh, another kind of u- universal antidote it seems to be this: that we're, one of the things we're trying to cultivate on on the retreat is this samadhi, or called steadiness, uh, the greatness of mind, or one-pointedness. It, it, it's there are different ways of understanding it, but it's it's a clarified, steadied, kind of wide open, uh, steadied mind that with within which experiences just are not as impactful. So we can see more, we can respond more, and that when we have this um, this sense of of steadied presence. That that is that is um, available for us. Where there's a kind of inner happiness that's not so dependent on conditions, you know, and not so dependent on things being the way we want them to be, or and, and so and so we can rest in that and not be so reactive. So that's everything that we're cultivating here. And I was also thinking of the image of antidote. It's also like we're inoculating ourselves. In a way, against the arising of the hindrances, you know, what are the conditions that we can nourish in our practice and in our life that help us to be kind of less prone to being, you know, kind of thrown around by these things? Or just, you know, the, the wisdom sometimes, you know, of just of saying, of saying, you know, this will pass. And I some of these, like that, that know that they're being able to, in the midst of, you know. A, kind of multiple hindrance attack they're sometimes called when we're just really upset, just remembering that, that that it will pass and that this is not, you know, who we are. That just to even remember that to hold to, will help help us to be with that so it can so it can pass. Cultivating the wholesome is another just general kind of sense of how we can both meet a, a difficult uh, mind state but also by cultivating kindness and patience in all the things that we're doing on this retreat again it's like a it's like a resource it's, and it's it's like a filling the mind with with nourishment with nourishing energies another one that came up again and again in the, in the suttas, in the discourses, and again in, in other places, is what sometimes they're sometimes called um, noble friends and noble conversation, or wise friends and wise conversation. That you know, probably we all know this, don't we? In our life, you know, what difference it makes when we can speak and listen around these things, you know, in a way that's helpful. And how powerful that is, and, and what a, you know, how we need we need some of that in our, in our life. It's not just that, yeah. There's some kind of shared wisdom, shared compassion uh, that that we can kind of evoke for each other uh, in in that in facing these things. So another one, creativity, which we've touched on a little bit of, of sort of just. Being able to get playful, I, I, I've, I found recently that um, 
bouncing up and down, and I shouldn't say this in front of a coordinator, but that bouncing up and down on a bed really helps with restlessness. <laughs> Which sounds completely counterintuitive, doesn't it? And I, I promise I won't do it too much. It's a household coordinator. Um, it's just really interesting. There's something about playfulness, you know, obviously within the boundaries of care and respect and responsibility, but... Um, <laughs> That what what you know what is it that helps? It's not always so obvious, and and sometimes it's in the body, you know, and walking or waving your arms around a bit. Or sometimes it's at the heart, you know, it's just bringing that kindness. Sometimes it's in the mind, you know, you just find, you know, a helpful thought to think. So all of these, I think, yeah, whatever we're, whatever difficulty we might be facing can help us um, to, to meet them with in ways that help. So um, I'd like to go through each of the five and just give a, f- a few other pointers um, uh, about these. And one image also that came to me recently, I was on a bike ride, and I noticed, and this is something I remember from my childhood about, you know, stinging nettles. Does everybody know what stinging nettles are? You know, they stay the plants and they sting you. And usually growing right nearby to them are dock leaves. And if you get stung by a stinging nettle, one of the things that help is to get a dock leaf and rub it on the sting. And my sense is that this is kind of what this training is. It's to notice that there are dock leaves. And they're actually growing quite nearby to the nettles. So it's just that kind of worked for me. I don't know if it does for you. But <laughs> so um, aversion. Okay, so let's just say a basic movement of, oh, no, you know, don't want, go away. Oh, let me get out of here. Uh, just a basic kind of resistance, uh, rejection, and all the many, many, many ways that this can manifest mentally, emotionally, fear, anger, rage, irritation, blame, boredom, and it, you know, many, many manifestations. So I think one of the ways these hindrance, this hindrance list of five really helps is we say, oh, aversion. Right, <laughs> some kind of more primary movement in the mind that, that can help us. The Buddha talks about, he gives two similes, and I'll, really helpful. It's just like somehow being, being in the hindrance of aversion is like being ill. It's like having an illness. <coughs> and you're, just, oh, you're just kind of down with this thing. Or the other image is of water. So if we also have an image of the the mind that's still and clear and unperturbed, like a still pool. So when it's affected by aversion, it's boiling. Water, bubbling, boiling, you know, so you can't see. You can't see yourself. No, you can't see a reflection of yourself or the world clearly. You can't see through it either. It's just boiling away. So, um, 
you know, different forms of aversion. I've been talking to people today. Um, one of the ones that, that we see on retreat is judgment, judging mind. Anybody experience judging mind today? <laughs> oh, they, you know, well done, confession. Yeah, <laughs> judging mind. You know, just that, oh, they shouldn't. And oh, what on earth is he doing? You know, and oh my goodness. <laughs> Or what am oh dear, and then I'm judging him. Oh, you know, how awful I'm judging. Oh <laughs> so that the way it can flip back onto you into yourself, you know, as well. Very very much part of the retreat experience, I think, is these hindrances, they kind of get more obvious. I don't sure they get bigger actually, or stronger necessarily, but again, you know, because of the simplified environment situation, like, ooh. You see, you see it, you hear it, you notice it. Um, oh, I can't read my notes. Oh yes. Um, so, um, just another little story that just stands out for me. I was going through an airport a while ago, and um, somebody just kind of pushed past me, you know, just sort of brushed past me, but definitely, you know, and I had this, I've kind of, you know, this kind of uh, just really strong reaction of, you know, don't bump into me, you know, and I could just saw, you know, mind enough mindfulness present. And as this thing kind of, you know, they sort of blossom, don't they? They kind of erupt, so they kind of go, whoa, like this. That I then I saw this strong impulse to go and kick the man. <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, whoa, you know. So, you know, very, just almost like being able to see it like a movie. Like, oh, and feel the feelings and the wish. And then, it, you know, it went. And then I was able to, in a way, in that, in that situation, follow that through and then do some meta for the man, you know. And I saw him later and it was... So those experiences when we can actually see that and, and not then get drawn into all that secondary judgment or why did that happen? It must be I've got all this stuff about men with briefcases and, you know, whatever the stories might be about the whys and wherefores. And But then it, it could it could go through, it, it, it could be forgiven, it could be it could be learned from. And something about our capacity, you know, that in a way is a very encouraging experience because you see, oh, is possible to actually feel. So in terms of the antidotes for aversion, kindness, I mean, after knowing it, kindness is, is paramount. You know, it's, it's just to, to bring some, in some way that kindness towards ourself, towards, towards the other, acknowledging, uh, acknowledging that the suffering of that experience. Being able to, um, in a way, feel, feel it. Something about opening to that energy, not acting it out and not repressing it, isn't it? It's, the, it's this middle way. And everything we're cultivating, presence, mindfulness, <coughs> samadhi and so on, is, is to help us in a way to, to, to uh, contain, to, in a spacious way, these, these energies. Another story comes to mind actually about Thich Nhat Hanh, the great uh, Vietnamese Zen teacher, you know, and a story about him being in a big public 
event and somebody saying something and and him going out, leaving the stage and going out behind and one of his attendants or friends coming and asking him, you know, what's, what's happening? And, and he's saying, I, I am angry. Like, you know, anger arose. He just needed to step away. I was very, you know, these very great teachers. There's the skillfulness that's needed sometimes that these things arise. And the willingness to 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 be to be restrained, to step away sometimes. Okay, so going going rapidly moving on to desire. So sometimes see if you think yeah, I don't know if you can see this in your experience, actually desire and aversion are often to get together. If you think about it, if you're trying to get away from something, you're you're trying to get towards something else. Yeah, or if you're trying to get something. Aren't you, is there something you're actually rejecting? This is very interesting. You can see it as, well, as two, two movements of, of, of uh, in a way, the, the, the not wanting to be present with what is. This basic, these sort of manifestations of, of that. So with desire, the Buddha talks about this as being in debt. Being in debt. Sort of just having kind of just gone too far with our energies with our was just always just not having enough and so always trying to get more the hungry ghost is another image you know of this being that has enormous brown belly and terrible hunger and a very thin throat and a pinhole mouth just we can't and actually it's that that's propelling us because we don't have that feeling of of having enough. So as I was saying, with the with the sense of, of cultivation of inner inner happiness, how much of antidote that is. So with this we we learn, yeah, to bring mindfulness, to bring compassion, to actually feel and know the movements and impulses of wanting and to on retreat, this is such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to kind of see more of that so we can you know is it possible to actually go past this this is one uh, go past the tea urn you know sometimes when we're really you might you know and you just go past i used to practice this in the hermitage wing on a long retreat where you have treats in the kitchen there sometimes and just you you know it's monday there's going to be probably some biscuits on the table there right and so you just I, I did I, I developed this practice where I could just see that desire rising to go and get the treat and then just kind of notice that arising and then just keep going by <laughs> keep I just go past keep going up the stairs and just and, and actually when you're doing that and seeing oh the desire actually goes. The desire increased as I approached the door, and then the desire went down again as I went up the stairs. <laughs> so this is so, you know, and, and again, I mean, it's not that desire is wrong or bad, but that we, if we can't actually know it, we're going to be run by it, aren't we? And that leads to a lot of trouble. So, moving on to sloth and torpor and, and restlessness. I know there's been some sloth and torpor around. <laughs> if 
very, very common on, on retreat and very different ways. The Buddha talks about it as being in, like being in prison. You just, you just, you just in there, sort of feeling like you just can't. I sometimes feel like it's like you're being covered with a huge amount of soggy cotton wool or something. You just, kind of stuck in there. Also, he uses the image of water that's full of algae, you know, full of water weed. And that's that feeling of just, yeah, all this stuff. So I forgot to give you the image, the water image for desire, which was uh, dyed, water that's dyed a colour. So it's like that filter that I mentioned. So you look in the water and just everything is coloured by a particular perception. So back to sloth and torpor. And as I've talked a bit today, you know, giving some some indications about ways of of working with this and rousing our energy through reflecting on our intentions and sometimes um, it's recommended to reflect on on impermanence and death to help us to you know really value each moment knowing that they are very very limited in number very precious and we never know when they may run out. That we can also um, really, really recognize it. This is such a key one, isn't it? Because once you're in it, it's just like, okay, you've sort of gone for a while. <laughs> so recognizing it and being able to sort of step in and, and, and act early, you know, and actually do something to, you know, straighten, open, open our eyes and kind of come, come back. It can also be lack of sleep, of course, and that's really important that we we have the wisdom to discern, well, what, what, is, what is this about, actually, this sleepiness? And sometimes, you know, we do need ec- extra sleep, so it's all part of this sort of creativity and sensitivity. And sometimes it's also to look and then see, actually, it's a kind of aversion. There's something, actually, that we're not wanting to feel, that we're not wanting to look at. And that that's the sleepiness is kind of around, really kind of covering that. So then there may be some skill in, in, in kind of probing a little under that. So with restlessness, this agitated energy, you know, in just mind, body, and sometimes you feel like you just can't sit still. You've just got to jump up and run around, you know. It's that kind of can get very, very intense, very intense. And it's almost like with a lot of these hindrance energies, I don't know if you, that they tend to evoke, that, that it's almost like unskillful help. So agitation is saying, quick, quick, do something, you know. Or the aversion is saying, get away from this, you know. The de- desire is sort of saying, well, you just got to get that and then you'll be all right, you know. So seeing how the hindrance energy can, can actually really color our perceptions of what's helpful so we need to really like try and see that and with restlessness we, we find um, that it's really really helpful to um, actually be still <laughs> sometimes even though that's the last thing you want to do to be very, to be, to be really still, and to be very diligent with your mindfulness, with your with your object of meditation, and kind of have that sense of of Joseph Goldstein gives the image of the brocking bunker, brocking. 
<laughs> the bucking bronco, sorry. You know, the horse that's trying to buck you off and you just like just stay, stay there. Or to be very or to be very spacious as well with it, to give it a lot of space, to not fight with it and struggle with it. Both both of those can be can be helpful. The Buddha talks about restlessness and agitation as enslavement. That's something that we just dragged along by and the water images of just water with just the just waves you know it's big waves around just one other thing about uh restlessness which is so often probably for us associated with worry such a big pattern for so many was worry worryful worry thoughts and to really notice that part of the agitation, worry thoughts about about the future, and just to in recognizing that, just to really unhook from the thoughts and come back into the body. And often that's again we feel like maybe there's some basic discomfort in our body and how we're feeling. So we that's. We don't want to go there because it feels uncomfortable, but that's often the place where we need to come to kind of feel, just be steady with that unpleasantness and, and bring kindness and bring mindfulness. And then it can it can quieten down because the mind quietens down. Of course, the mind and the body connect. So as we, as we unhook from the thinking, the body can calm down. As we come into the body, bring some calm, it, it can calm the mind down. So we can kind of come both wet, from both directions. Also, sweeping through the body, really helpful, which we may do tomorrow, really helpful with that. It's moving attention through the body. And the last, the last one is doubt, um, which the Buddha describes, I, I, well, I read it several different, but one was really struck me, which was a wealthy person lost in a desert. A wealthy person lost in a desert. And it's a sense of, we're lost, we don't know, should we, should we do that? We'll go that way, we don't, I don't know. And, and actually what we're missing Sort of, you know, the, the, the wealth, if you like, of our life here and now, which is sort of given up to this kind of doubt. Just, and, and so much of, of that can, can, it can really paralyze, you know, if it's, if it's not seen and named, because again, with the other hindrances, it, 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 it argues for its own defense. But you need to think about this, and you need to consider that, consider this, and it just goes on and on and on, doesn't it? So we need to kind of really know, really, really name that, recognize the thoughts, come into the body, get simple connect with the here and now and so much i don't know if your experience bears this out that so much of what if you like we need to know actually then can come it doesn't come at least in my experience from endless going backwards and forwards that i don't you know that it's it comes from somehow dropping down under that into the into the present, into the body, into the heart. 
the Buddha describes it as murky water, that, or it's water that's placed in a dark place. So we have the possibility of recognizing, going back to that, recognizing these these energies. And, you know, in, a, in our life, in, in not just on retreat, like to actually know these and, and work skillfully with them, what, what, what a difference that makes in, a, in our life. Because, you know, these energies are there, aren't they? We, you know, they're frequent visitors, perhaps. So that we also understand on the path that actually they also, you know, will be with us, you know, kind of until we're fully awakened beings. So it's worth cultivating a relationship of kindness, of knowing, of wise response, so that it can become part of our path of awakening. Because through that practice, through that exploration, we begin to understand the nature of that pure, radiant, open mind and understand the insubstantial, ephemeral, impersonal nature of all of the experience that comes through the mind and the heart and the body that can feel so who we are, what our life is. No, that's not true. And to to really to really learn and and use the these ways of reflecting to understand that then the path can open and deepen and the suffering in our life goes down <laughs> and the suffering we inflict on others goes down and even in a single moment in a moment of of anger to make that shift to mindfulness and to kindness. There we change the world. We've changed the world. So we practice this not just for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of all beings, those we, we come into contact with and those that we don't. So I'd like to finish by reading a poem that you may well know and it's one that perhaps comes up on retreat quite a lot and it's one that every time I read it I just it's it's just has so much wisdom in it so I I hope you find that too it's uh, a poem called The Guest House by Rumi This being human is a guest house Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, 
a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door, laughing, and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So may we all learn to meet our life with kindness and wisdom. May we all find peace. May we all find freedom. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.